Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you on this balmy Wisconsin weekend, right? Yeah. Wow. We're all thawed out. Feels like it's March. Good. Everybody good? No? Come on. Right? We're from Wisconsin. Yes? No? Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo, yeah. Good stuff. All right. All right. All right. Going to make sure everybody's awake today. Hey, uh, I know that you got to see Greg. Uh, this is his first weekend here, but would you give a great welcome to his much, much, much better half, Tiffany. Tiffany, you stand up, wave at everybody. <laughs> so if you want to know the score, just talk to Tiffany. She'll, she'll just tell it to you straight. Because Greg walks in after he's preached on a weekend and he looks at her and he says, Tiffany, who is the greatest preacher you know? And she looks at him and says, not who you are thinking. So she keeps him in line, right? That's every, every pastor, every preacher, you got to have somebody, you know, there's times where Tammy looks at me and goes, what were you trying to say? That made no sense. I was like, that was a masterpiece, woman. Did you not see this? She goes, no, I'm telling you, nobody understood what you said. You, you, you apparently didn't study hard enough this week. You need to do a little work tonight and we're going to leave you alone and go out to eat and you get that figured out before tomorrow's service. Yes, ma'am. All right. So what today, a couple things. One is if you weren't here last weekend, there are greater cards that are in the seat pocket in front of you on the seat that you're seated at. And if you want to make yourself uh, uh, get any information on mission trips that are happening, you can do that. Uh, and also if you want to make a commitment for greater, you, you've given to greater, you want to give to greater, you can make a commitment that just helps us budget uh, uh, that giving. And so um, anyhow, that's there for you, and you can just simply fill that out, drop it in the offering bucket today. But I just want to make, make you aware of that. The second thing is off today's message. And so there's a card that looks like this. And this is going to have the, it's going to have the scripture on there. It's going to have basically my three main points. And uh, we can really pray and be done if you wanted to. Nobody ever goes, no, please preach. They just kind of go, really? That's kind of the deal. So, so... I'm going to walk through this today, but you're going to get, have moments where you're going to be a little bit like, um, uh, your brain's going to kind of go in different directions because I'm going to be boring or something's going to happen or I'm going to stay too long at a point or whatever. And so in the course of today, this is for you. I'm going to ask you to kind of assess yourself on these 10 questions. And, um, and so uh, you can kind of walk through that, but uh, it's basically, it's kind of a checkup. It's either red light, green light, or yellow light. Red light means something's wrong. It needs to be addressed. Yellow light, it, maybe it's not great, but it, it's okay. Could use some work, but it's n n nothing, nothing, nothing majorly urgent. Red light, I mean, green light is, things are good. It may not be perfect, but things are good. So let's just walk through these questions really quick. You don't have to do it right this minute, but we're going to walk through this in the course of the sermon, but I want, this is for you. Because I'm going to come back to this at the end. First of all, am I internally healthy? Red light, green light, yellow light. Secondly, am I fully experiencing God? Third, am I yielding to God's prompting? When God speaks to my heart, when I feel like I'm being supposed to do something, am I following with that? Am I wrestling with that? Am I giving God the Heisman? Number four, am I practicing humility? And if you got up this morning and said to yourself, as you looked at yourself in the mirror, self, you're the most humble person I know, that's not humility. Five, am I agenda-free? That's talking about your relationships and what you're doing. Do you do things with pure motives. The only person who knows your heart is you. Six, am I tempted to power up? Like, hey, do you know who I am? Kind of a type of a moment. Seven, am I living a sustainable pace? 
the pace in your life? Do you have enough margin? Do you, do you, do you have enough energy in the tank? Do you, do you, how are you doing? How are things going? And again, if you're an accountant, this may be a crazy season for you. So I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about overall in the whole kind of, are you, how's your pace? Eight, am I cutting character corners? Again, these are integral issues that you're asking of yourself. Nine, am I growing in love for people? You know, do people really get on your nerves to the point that you just, you don't want to even be around people. Like it just, ugh. Even today, somebody said hello to you and you're like, shut up. You know, kind of a, you probably have a red light there. 10, am I making a positive contribution with my life? How do you feel about that? Again, these are subjective questions for you to ask yourself. And then on the back side of the card, we're going to be at 1 Samuel here in just a minute. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's going to be on the card and on the screen. But I want to set this series up, and I hope you'll be back next week because we're going to talk about growing relationships. I'm going to come back, and I've got a sermon that I'm going to teach you on growing relationships. Today, I want to talk to you about leading yourself, about, about, um, about you in relationships. I want to just talk about you for a few minutes. And... and, and um, this, this, this series on some assembly required is not about like couples or families or it's about relationships. It's about how we relate with ourselves, how we relate to others. Um, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about endings. Every relationship that you have in your life is going to end. It is. Some of them are going to end by the grave. Some of them are going to end because they're like milk. They've got an expiration date. They're for a season. And you better know what relationships are. Is there an expiration on that relationship? I'm not talking about your marriage. So for some of you that's like, oh, this is my chance. Come and I'm going to show up. And I'm getting rid of this man. No, 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 no. That's until death that you part. But, but, but there are some relationships that are for a season. And God brings that into your life for a season. And when that person leaves, it's difficult. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that they were for a season, but not for forever. And so how, how do you know when that is and how do you walk through that? And how do you have health in that? We're going to talk about that. Um, and so, but the idea is, is that relationships are not automatic. Relationships require assembly. Re relationships require work. And this is what's interesting. We think, well, because we're humans, we can understand every other human, but we can't. We think that because uh, we are, you know, we're, we're, well, I, I'm in love, she's in love, we're in love, so we get married and life's going to be perfect, but it's not. And if you have kids, they don't come with instructions. Have you figured that out yet? Oh, dear God. And it doesn't get any better as they get older because it's like, what happened to my beautiful little princess that just followed me around and pitter-patter of the feet on the hardwood floors when I come home, daddy's home, daddy's home, daddy's home, to now I can't even get like a grunt or a smile. You know what I'm saying? And you want to go, and, and I'm, I'm paying financing the life of this person? You know, I mean, so it's just, how do you, and so it's like this. If you've ever put together a swing set, you've ever put together uh, a, a bicycle, you've ever put together like maybe a, a Barbie dream house because that was what was expected from Santa the next morning. And, and you go and you put all this stuff together. And if you're like me, you, you look at the picture and you look at the parts and you just start putting it together. And, uh, and then at the end of it, you always have extra parts left over, right? If you're not like me, you do it right, you don't have this problem. But if you're like me, you're like, there's a bag of Ziploc bag of parts that I always go to Tammy. Tammy, I don't know what these go to, but they go to something. But I didn't figure that out. So if it falls apart or if it breaks, the answer is somewhere in here. So where do you want me to put this bag? And I've got a box in the garage of just, of bags of just parts, 
nuts, bolts, right? <laughs> Screws. It's like, I hope it works. I'll never forget, you know, <laughs> going and I was going to get the girls this, this swing set. And I looked at like the big name brand and I was like, oh dear God, that's mo more than, than the mortgage on my house. Like there is no way I'm paying for that. Right? I mean, do you remember when you were, I mean, how many had the little metal swing set that your parents never really put in the ground because when you would swing, you could pop it up and you thought that was cool, <laughs> right? <laughs> Death trap, hello, the fact that you're walking is a miracle of God, okay? So, you know, now today it's like, it's almost like it's a fortress. Let's just build a fortress. It'll take six trees and, you know, and you're just like, I laid one out in the backyard and I was just like, there is no way. I mean, my kids will die in this. And so I called somebody at the church and said, I'll pay you, will you help me? But I, I can't do this. Relationships are that way. There are times where you can do it. There are times where you do it, but you've got these extra parts and you really don't know, but later on you're gonna find out. There are other times where you're in so far over your head that you need to call some outside help. That's what we wanna walk through in this series. And today I wanna build with the foundation of you. Because here's the reality. If you're not good, if you're not healthy, then neither will your relationships be. If you're not in a good place, and if you're not healthy, your relationships won't be good or healthy either. Real simple. If you're a loser and you're single and you're trying to attract a winner, it's not gonna happen. Because you're gonna attract who and what you are. If you have your stuff together, then you're probably gonna attract someone with their stuff together. If, 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 but, but, but the deal sometimes is we want what we are not. And we want in relationships what we're not. We want to be around people that are winners and that are disciplined. And, and we want to work with people at a high level. And we want the return on that, the ROI on that. But at the same time, we're not willing to make that level of investment. And we, we want people in our lives that aren't jacked up, but we're jacked up. And so guess what we attract? Jacked up people. And so th th this, is, this is what I would call self-leadership. When I talk about relating to yourself, I describe this as self-leadership. The most difficult person you're ever going to lead it's not going to be a spouse. It's not going to be kids. It's not going to be another family member. It's not going to be a coworker, a boss, or someone that works below you. It's going to be you. You are the most difficult person that you're ever going to lead. And so because, because of that, the, the, the thing about all of this is, is that in every relationship that you're in, you are the common denominator. In every relationship that you're in, you are the common denominator. So it doesn't matter whether it's a marriage, whether it's at home, wherever it is, you're the common denominator. So I want to kind of go there today. And again, I would just refer you to any of these questions for you to self-reflect. This is for you. We're not collecting these. I don't need these back. This is for your benefit. But 1 Samuel chapter 30, it's a passive scripture. I don't have time to unpack all the context around this, but the essence, here's what's happening. David, who has been anointed king of Israel, but is not yet coming to the throne because Saul, the current king of Israel, is pursuing David and trying to kill him. David is kind of running for his life. In the middle of doing this, God has brought men around him, hundreds of men around him, and we call them David's mighty men. And these were warriors, and these are individuals that will actually serve with David when David becomes king. But at this point in time, David is just kind of on the outskirts of Israel, just kind of trying to stay out of the fray with Saul, while God deals with Saul until the appointed time and he becomes king. In the middle of all this, David is, is leading these men. David is responsible. And they go doing what they do, and then they come back home, and they find everything in crisis mode. They find everything in crisis mode. 
And David responds in a way that I think is completely indicative of how we should respond when everything is falling apart at home, at work, externally, and even internally, all the pressures are kicking in. David responds. And I want to look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. It says this, And now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. That's a cool name. And on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it to the ground. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. That's why this is important. So every part of their family, every part of their lives had been taken from them. Verse four, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Completely exhausted, mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. David's two wives, Aniam and Abigail, had been taken captive. Verse six, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Who are the people? These are the mighty men. These are his, his lieutenants. And these are the guys that are with him and around him. Because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But this is the verse I want you to focus in on. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the middle of all of this, David connects with himself in the middle of this crisis. David strengthened himself. Just look at that phrase. David strengthened himself. David addresses the internal self-leadership before addressing the external. David deals with himself before he deals with anybody else. Everything's falling apart. These men are exhausted. They're mentally spent. We, we know psychologists tell us that, that, that people make the worst decisions when they're hungry. Amen. When they're, when, 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 when they're angry, when they're lonely, or when they're tired. These men were all the above and everything they had been fighting for was now gone and taken captive. Their wives, their sons, their daughters, their homes, everything, including David. David's having to deal with this on a personal level. He, he, he's also dealing with this on a professional, if you would, on a leadership level because these men are all following him and now they're beginning to turn against him. Why? Because they're grieved, because they're hungry and they're angry and they're tired and they're lonely and they're beginning to question why are they following this person and why am I here and what's going on? And in that moment, David doesn't turn his attention on trying to mitigate the problem. David doesn't turn his attention on trying to spin the problem. David doesn't try to reframe the problem. David doesn't bring an outside expert expert in to help them understand the problem. David doesn't power up on them to try to say, do you know who I am? Do you know why you're following me? You need to get in line. He doesn't pull rank. David strengthens himself. David doesn't deal with anybody else, but he deals with himself first. Self-leadership. See, the internal struggle will lead to external victories, which will leave eternal impact. Let me say that again. Internal struggle will lead to external victories, which leave an eternal impact. Struggle produces strength if you lean into the tension. Because here's a reality, in every relationship and everything you're going to do this side of eternity, there's going to be tension. 
You cannot abdicate it. You cannot act as though it doesn't exist. You, 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 you can't throw your head, hands in the air and, and, and eject from the situation. It's there. How are you going to respond to it? Successful leaders, successful people, David, they, they find that they lean into the tension in the moment. Are they hurting? Yes. Are they grieved? Yes. Are they spent? Yes. Are they emotionally? Yes. But in that moment, they understand the most important person to lead in that moment is themselves. To have temperance when everybody else is losing their heads, when everybody else is losing their mind, when everybody else, as the leader, they must first lead themselves. And so what happens is, is that when we face crisis in our home, when we face crisis at our business, when we face crisis in relationship, many times we look external. What's the boss? It's the company. It's the economy. It's the politics. It's the politicians. It's my kids. It's my wife. It's everybody else's fault instead of stopping first and go, no, what about you? Where is your role in this relationship? Where is your place in this relationship? Where are you? And so what I would say is what David does, David steps into the tension. He successfully manages the tension. He deals and faces the depression and the depravity head on, and he struggles with it internally so that he can have an external victory. And that's true of anybody. There are internal battles that you are going to face that nobody else can face, internal battles that you're going to deal with that nobody else is going to know about. There are things I deal with that none of you in this room know about. And hopefully, I hope to God that that stays that way. In the same way with all of you, there are things you deal with that you only need to deal with. Why? Because you're the only person that can fix it. And so in that moment, you want to go, well, if I was really living right, I wouldn't face this. If this was really God's will, I wouldn't face this. No, no, that's not correct at all. You're going to face when the enemy comes in like a flood, when, 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 when you're going to be in, in the very bowels of hell itself. And every one of those moments, God will be there, but you have to choose. It says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you are to submit yourself to God. You have to lead yourself to that moment. God doesn't just show up automatically. It's not pixie dust for people, right? Amen. I'm sorry, I don't mean to get so animated. But, but I think sometimes we just think it's just going to happen. And, and if I really love Jesus, it's just all going to happen. No. Again, if being a Christian was easy, everybody would do it. I'm just telling you, if this was easy, everybody in town would be in church. You know the reason why people are in bed right now instead of being at church? Because it's much more easy to do that than it is to do what you're doing. Ooh, that's a good time to say amen. I'm bragging on you right now. You're like, yeah, bless God, I got up this morning. Glory to God. I'm gonna have myself a, I'm gonna have myself a, double, a, du a double bacon cheeseburger today. Hallelujah, glory to his name. All right. David doesn't just strengthen himself with himself though. He strengthens himself with the Lord because he knows who his source is. If the sentence ended, but David strengthened himself in himself, there's a problem with that. Here's the problem, because the source of his power then is finite, it's limited. It's like your gas tank, it can only hold so much gas. At some point in time, you fill it up, you drive and you keep driving the, and you keep seeing the, the, the gauge go down, 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 down. And then the warning light comes on multiple times. If you're like me, it comes on multiple times. And then finally, you're going to be on the side of the road because you're out of gas because your capacity is not limitless. It's not infinite. It's finite. It's limited. If David just strengthens himself with himself, he's limited. His capacity is limited. It's finite. But when he strengthens himself with the Lord... The power source is infinite. The power source has no beginning and no end. 
That's why in the book of Revelations, they said he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, that which was and is to come and forevermore shall be. This is the strength of walking as a Christ follower. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's sustainable. Why? Because the power source never changes. The power source is not threatened by external activities. The power source isn't threatened by what's happening in the world. The power source is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Woo! We just sing a hymn in the church, leaning on the everlasting arm. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arm. When I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, Jesus will talk about this in John's gospel. When we abide in him and he abides in us, we can ask whatever we will and it will be done. Why? Because the power source is limitless. So David understands this. David knows he's got to deal with himself, his own humanity. But he knows that the way that he's going to anchor himself in that moment is not by a friend or a church or a pastor or a program, but by the Lord. My strength is found in the Lord. And when your strength and your power source is found in the Lord, it's limitless. When it's found in you, it's limited. So the, fa- the issues that you're facing right now, the struggle that you're facing, it's common to all men. How are you going to deal with it? You're just going to will your way through it? You're going to grit your way through it? You're going to discipline your way through it? How's that working for you? No, you're going to have to say, I am limited. I am finite. From dust I came to dust I'll return. But you, O oh God, are limitless. You, O oh God, spoke the stars into the sky and the entire earth in the fullness thereof. You hold the water of this planet in the hollow of your hand and the dust in the other. There is nothing that, you, that happens that you don't understand, O oh God. So in this moment, I humble myself and I connect myself to you. Like I'm charging my iPhone, I power it into you and submit myself unto you. That's what David does in the middle of all that because he knows. So how does this, and what does this have to do with relationships? Again, I go back to the statement that I made earlier. All relationships in your world have one common denominator, you. And if those relationships are going to be successful or going to be healthy or going to be good, however you want to frame that, that's predicated upon you. I'm not saying you're perfect, but if you don't strengthen yourself in the Lord, there's going to be a limit. If you strengthen yourself into you, there's a limit. If you strengthen yourself into someone else, there's a limit. If you strengthen yourself into me or into the church, there's a limit. Why? Because we're all finite. I'm finite. You're finite. We're all jacked up, right? We, we don't, you don't lean on the church. You lean on Jesus. You don't lean on me. <laughs> God help you all. Do not lean on me. Because I, I'm, limit, I'm limited. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just one beggar to another beggar where to find food. I'm not any better than you. I'm here to serve you. Look at me as the waiter at, at, the, at, the, at your favorite restaurant. My job is just to simply serve up Jesus Christ. What's my gifting? My gifting is, is that I have a call on my life and there's anointing on my life to get into God's word and to serve up the bread of life hot and fresh to serve you. That's my role. That's it. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, then there is limitless power. 
but you are the common denominator. And so you got to lead yourself before you lead anybody else. You've got to, 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 to make sure that you're good before anybody else can be good. It's kind of like if you're on an airplane and they say the oxygen mask, if they, dro- if they were to drop, that you're to put your mask on first before you assist someone else. Why? Because if you're incapacitated, you don't have the ability to help anyone. You have to take care of you first, which they tell you that because it's counterintuitive. Take care of yourself where you take care of your kids. Take care of yourself where you take care of. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Some of you are facing issues at work. The issue isn't your boss. It's what the Holy Spirit's saying to you today. It's you. And it's not that you're wrong, although you may not be right. It's that you're trying to do this in yourself instead of connecting with him. Some of you are dealing with crisis and stuff at home. The issue isn't you. The issue is you've got to plug into him. Some of you are facing other relationships that there's dilemmas because what you're facing is some expiration dates on some relationships. What are you going to do? You. You can't control other people. (laughs) You, you, You can't. You can't control your spouse. Quit trying. Quit trying to make them into something. You married them like that, God help you. You're going to live with them that way until you die. All right? Is that good? Hey, hey man. Somebody say, yeah. It's true. Because how many times do we meet and we get and then we want to change somebody? They're doing this. Well, what are you doing? I, 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 look, I teach and train my children, but ultimately they're free moral agents. They've got to choose for themselves. Does that bother me? Absolutely. Your kids can hurt you in a way that nobody else can because parents will pass away. Brothers and sisters are going to do what they're going to do. And, and, and spouses, you, you said yes to them. You could say no to them. I'm not recommending that. But your kids, they're yours until you die. <laughs> but you can't control them. You can only control you. And if you're dealing with a prodigal son or daughter, you can't control them. You can only control you. So how are you doing? Are you strengthening yourself and yourself? It's limited. Are you strengthening yourself and your job? It's finite. Are you strengthening yourself and some other uh, commodity or trying to soothe yourself in some other way, some addictive behavior? It all has limits. But when you strengthen yourself in the Lord, there's limitless power. That's what gives you strength in the middle of the night. That's what gets you joy through the sorrow. And maybe you're 16 today and you're excited about your chest hairs and your voice is changing. Listen to me. There's going to be times when your world is going to completely collapse in on you. And there's going to be times where you're going to feel like there's pressure on every side, but you've got to, in that moment, go back to what your pastor taught you and go back to what your parents taught you. And that is your strength is not in yourself. It's not in your might. It's not in your power. It's not in your grit. It's not in your pedigree. It's in the Lord. So trust in the Lord. Lean in the Lord. Find yourself in the cleft of the rock where he can protect you. I love what Jesus says about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would that you would come to me. He weeps over it, that you would listen to me. I would as a mother hen would to her chicks to put my arms around you and protect you, but you won't let me. How many times is God there on the precipice of heaven saying, I wanna help you, I wanna protect you, but you are not allowing me to. You are strengthening yourself in so many other things that are so limited instead of allowing me limitless power to flow into your life. I know it's much easier preached than lived, but it's the truth. So let's go back to this card. There's, there's three basic ways that you lead yourself. Internally, internal. 
Proverbs chapter four, verse three says, watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the issues or the springs of life. Go back to the first three questions on that card. Am I internally healthy? Am I fully experiencing God? Am I yielding to God's promptings? Where are you strengthening yourself at today? Internally. No one else sees, no one else knows, but you do. But remember, it's the internal struggles that will bring forth external victories. Let's look at the external. That's the second thing there on the card, external. When I'm leading externally. Matthew's gospel, chapter 20, Jesus says in verse 25, but Jesus called them together, his disciples, and said, you know that in this world, kings are tyrants and officials lord it over the people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different for whomever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Servant leadership. Question number four, am I practicing humility? I know you got a swag and I know you got all that kind of stuff, but I mean, are you practicing humility in your life? Five, am I agenda free? My relationships, am I just trying to spin somebody, just trying to play somebody? Just, do you want to be done that way? Do you want to be sold? Do you want to be spun? Six, am I tempted to power up? This is easy to do, man, in our world. Do you know who I am? I was having to talk to a customer service agent from a, a very well-known company yesterday on the phone because there was a problem that I didn't create. And this individual just kind of went off on me in a way I'd never had anybody do that before. And I, I wasn't like, that's okay. It's all right. You can talk to me like I'm trash. I didn't do that. Because I think sometimes we think powering up or humility is this, it's this, there's no power. It's like this, you know, you see these emaciated pictures of Jesus in the Renaissance era where he was just this frail, pasty white, almost transparent, like you could just see through him, kind of a just real frail individual. And just, that's not, he was a carpenter. What carpenter do you know looks like that and drives an F-150? Can I, can I get a witness in the house? Or F-250 or 350, right? That's what Jesus did. There's nothing white about him. He's Middle Eastern. He probably had one of the best tans going on. Come on, can I get a witness in the house? And, and, and the Bible says he was so striking in his appearance and his voice. I think Jesus, when Jesus walked in a room, you want to talk about presence? Woo! They silenced themselves. At the same time, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, is God doesn't call us just to be so passive that we're like a, a mat, Right? And that we're just kind of, but we're also have to manage attention that we don't power up on people. So in that moment, I want to say, do you know who I am? Do you know, like, I, it's people like me that pay for your job. That, that's what I'm thinking in my humanity. What comes out of my mouth is what I had the ability to control. And, and, and I, I was very firm, but I was kind. I didn't call anybody any names. I just said, I'd like to speak to your supervisor. And I began to get told about what's going to happen. And that, I said, that's fine. I just, I'll, I'll be happy to wait, but I'll speak to the supervisor. Because again, I'm not going to be put in that position. 
but I'm not going to power up on this individual. I don't know what kind of day they had. I don't know what's going on. Maybe, maybe everybody's been yelling at them all day long, right? But don't come yell at me either, right? I'm, I'm not this, I'm a customer. So I'm trying to say to you is this, there are times where things are going to be thrown on you. It's not that you just have to receive it. There are sometimes you just receive it. You just kind of go, you know what? I can tell there's a lot going on. I'm just going to back off and I, this is not a big deal. There are other times where in this particular situation, I had to get an answer and it was time sensitive. And so I didn't have a choice. So I just simply go, this person is not someone that can help me. Let me find somebody that can help me. Are you powering up on people? Are you seven? Am I living a sustainable pace? Again, these are all questions externally that come into this. How are you interacting with people? Because when you, when you don't practice humility, when you live with an agenda, when you power up, when you're like a manic in your, in your pace, you're compensating for something. You are not at a good place. It doesn't speak to the situation, the circumstance, or the incompetency of people around you. It speaks to you. There's times to turn over the tables. Jesus did that. This is wrong and this is unjust, and I'm going to prove a point here. So, again, that flies in the face of just be quiet, just be kind, and turn the other cheek. Oh, yeah, there's a time to do that. When he's dying for the sins of humanity, he takes it all. But then there's also a time when he steps in the place of what's being unjustly done to someone else, and he steps in that place, and he speaks to the issue. In the words of the great theologian, Kenny Rogers, you've got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk, and when to run. Amen? I'm telling you, that's a good glory to God. Anyhow, <laughs> the last thing is, is, is eternal. Eternally, how are you leading you? Psalm chapter 27, verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Don't be weak. Nobody needs a wimp. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, but wait for the Lord. Don't get ahead. Wait for the Lord. Don't try to get ahead of God. Don't try to help God. Just stay in step. Stay in step. Question eight, am I cutting character corners? You know, at home, at work, in your private life. Nine, am I growing in love for people? Why is that important? Because I'm telling you, if there's just this agitation of people around you that just keeps accelerating, something's not right in you. How are you so certain of that? Because the Bible says that, that the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. What's the second commandment? To love your neighbor. God's not going to ask us to do something we don't have the ability to do. So why do you think that the enemy of your soul wants to get you so crusty and so crabby that you don't want to be around people and people don't want to be around you because it destroys what God wants to do in your heart and in your life? Oh, that's good. So when I began to feel like people... And I'm an extrovert, but people are just really getting on my nerves. Something's wrong with me. And the great prophet Tammy Cole steps into my life and says, you need to fix you right now. You need to go to the gym and get that aggression out. You need to go take a nap. You just need to go be by yourself for a while until you can get them to the end of yourself and be nice to everybody else. And I say, yes, Lord, speak for your servant here. Amen. No, but I'm saying like we have people in our lives, spouses. They know us. They love us. We don't power up. We go, okay. Coaches, friends, teachers, maybe even this moment right here. 
You've just been crabby, irritated. You don't even know. Sometimes you're like, I don't even know I'm irritated. There's something, again, you. How, am I growing in my love for people? And am I making a con- positive contribution in my life? Why is that important? Because if you don't feel like you're getting, gaining ground, you feel like you're losing all the time, that affects how you see yourself and how you interact with other people. Remember, life is going to try to shrink you like a pair of 501s, man. It's going to try to shrink you down. But you've got to learn how to be shrink resistant. How? You stand in the Lord and you strengthen yourself in the Lord. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you for the simplicity of it. I thank you for the example of it. I thank you for characters in scripture that are real people with real problems, with a real life situation that are not perfect. We know David wasn't perfect, but yet he was a man after your own heart. The only person with that moniker given in scripture. So Father, I just pray that you would help us speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, in these next few moments. Speak. John's gospel says that you will walk alongside of us, that you will convict us of our sins, that you will comfort us in times of distress, and that you will point us to Jesus, which will lead us into all truth. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Encourage, correct, as we strengthen ourselves in you today, in Jesus' name. Amen.